Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub. This is a friendly local food hub. It's based in Bermondsey. It's run by our very own Kelly Webster of the Mill Lionesses, a very well-known Mill fan. They do need supplies, dear listeners. Before we get into the show today, they have posted they need tinned meats, they need toiletries, they need soup, they need tinned fruit and veg. If you can help in any way, they are on Twitter, at Lions Food Hub. DM them, you can DM me at Mill and I'll pass on any help and information that we can. Lions Food Hub at Lions Food Hub. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. You're listening to Achtung Mill broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin. Except no substitute. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Achtung Mill the number one Millwall podcast. My name is Nick Hart. Joining me on this sunny Saturday afternoon to review this afternoon's nil-nil um, draw at the Brentford Community Centre Stadium. Joining me, Mr. Michael Avery. Welcome to the show, Michael. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, listeners. When you're listening to this, nothing says entertainment and excitement more than the uh, Lego Stadium and a nil-nil with very little go action, does it? This this should be the quickest show in podcast history, listeners, after that nil-nil draw. Actually, it wasn't a bad game, Michael. I'm, I'm being very flippant because I actually thought we we played quite well overall and I was a little bit um, querulous at the start of the proceedings because, you know, there's been free and easy talk by Gary Rowe in the local media about experimentation in the team and using these final five fixtures as a chance to... Um, push the boundaries in some some way or answer a few questions, I think was the way he put it. I must admit that was a very conventional starting 11, wasn't it? I, I didn't see much um, avant-garde expressionism going on in that starting 11 with Alex Pierce in the back row and um, Billy Mitchell dropped to the bench. No, yeah, you're right. It's uh, I, I, I'm a bit like you, similarly. I, I didn't actually think that was a bad game of football to watch. You know, I guess I there was very little go action. Um, but it, it seemed reasonably sort of fast-paced. It, it, Millwall, I thought Millwall played very well. I thought it was very defensive. And and considering the sort of feedback that Brentford have been getting about um, their centre-forward, t- um, Ivan... Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony. I thought we kept him very, very quiet. I thought we did very well. Um, touching on the lineups, as you say there, I mean, I, I made a couple of shots down as I was watching this as well. Um, Mitchell, again, dropped for Woods. You, you, Woods was always going to come back in because uh, yeah. he was a yeah. cup tied, yeah. uh, not cup tied, but loan tied. Loan tied, yeah. And all that kind of thing. Um, I personally would have dropped Pierce, as you say, put Evans into the back four 
um, and kept Mitchell in the midfield. So I don't think he's done too much wrong. Um, I think it goes to show his faith in his forward line that even when, even when, as you say, he's got five games left to have an experiment around, he still doesn't give Bradshaw a sniff and he doesn't give um, those sort of players um, that sort of run out. But more importantly, more importantly, did you notice for Brentford, their substitute, um, I think his name is Aaron Presley. Now, that can't have been done on by accident, can it? Because no, everyone that's, that's, knows that Elvis's middle name was Aaron. So. Aaron, that's right. And this isn't there the... You go. Isn't the gravestone in Graceland misspelt? Because uh, I think it was either it's spelt with a double A or a single A. I can't remember which way round it goes, listeners. But that just fuels the conspiracy theory that Elvis is not in actual fact dead and is running the chip shop at the corner of Elderton Road and Riverhive New Road. I I don't know. I I I, I was going to damn Alex Pierce, Michael, but I actually thought he played quite well today. He made one or two. He made his one or two errors. He was caught flat-footed on occasions. But then that so was Ryan Woods in midfield. But I thought both of them actually didn't play too badly. I thought the midfield had some bite to it all game. And Pierce put in some really brave, brave tackles. You know, he, he may lack for, um, you know, he may not be the most fleet-footed defender in the, in the league now, but he's, he don't want for bravery. I think they mentioned the same point on the on the commentary. He made one of those, especially in the second half when we were a little bit more under the cosh than the first. But he, he certainly put himself about. Yeah, totally. Um, I think I was like everyone else, where when I looked at the lineup, um, I did think that oh, Pierce is probably the weak link there. But as you say, I was pleasantly surprised with how well he played. And, and I believe it was Max and Carl said, uh, towards the end of the game, didn't they, that the, the back three have been excellent. And I thought they had, because Murray Wallace was playing on the right-hand side, wasn't he? Um, yeah, he'd switch sides. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so you've got a left, you've got a left-sided centre back who's been playing the majority of his Millwall career at left back now playing right centre back and he didn't look out of place there was a couple of times again that there might have been the odd error here and there um, the header back to Bart in the last what five minutes when Bart had to come out to feet was Wallace's only real sort of mistake for yeah. me and yeah yeah, Pierce, Pierce was Pierce was really good I, I, I won't go as far as say excellent the man of the match and you know he, Hutch is in trouble if he gets miraculously fit but he did well but, but I'd like you, you spoke about Woods as well I think in the first 10 minutes wasn't it um, he did superb to sort of like run out, cut a ball out well, and then and then play a ball through or, or run through. So yeah, a lot of criticism where we, a lot of the criticism where he doesn't get stuck in or his foot in. He read the play well and and it was intercepted. So yeah, yeah, good good performance from those two. Definitely. I mean, he, he, in fairness, I mean, he did he started well. I thought Woods. I wondered whether the new kind of model approach for these five games, the new experimentation was going to be that Woods actually got further forwards and made a few tackles, whether that was the the, the new the new approach, um, in which case it looked pretty good in the, in the opening phase of the game. I thought we looked quite bright and we had a chance, didn't we, on four minutes. That was a Danny Mack crossing from the right to Scott Malone, who who fired over. They um, were saying on, on the commentary, should have done better there, maybe, maybe not. I think that was a, on those chances, you either catch it right, and it goes flies in for a spectacular, or um, as he did here, he just caught it a little bit under, went over the bar. But we had a couple of chances in the opening phase of playing. I thought we looked quite bright, and I thought Ryan Woods was getting stuck in and getting the ball forward. And he's he's not a bad player when he does it that way. Um, I, I find he's, he's an enigmatic player, isn't he, Ryan Woods, Michael? I mean, would, would you would you retain him for next season? I, I think Rowett seems to like him. It will come down to wages, I suppose. But would you keep him if, on purely football grounds? Yeah, I mean, you just took the words out of my mouth there. It, it, I think with Woods, it would be wages because I do think he offers something. I think maybe at the start of the season, as as we've said and you've said on previous shows, that defensive midfield position, 
probably wasn't working too well for him, but now you've actually got him a bit further up the pitch and he can influence attacks and play those lovely through balls that we know. Yeah. Football football bit uh, football ability wise, you'd be stupid not to. If if you've got a player of that quality on a free in the championship, um, and his wages are realistic, you'd be a fool not to at least seriously consider it. I can I hear Harry. Because... I can hear Harry quaking all the way down the A13. It's like it's like a tremor. It's Harry quaking as he's listening to these to these 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 opinions. But I, I agree. I think you know someone who's it said to me the measure of players. Do you miss him when he's not in the team? And against Swansea, I have to say um, he wasn't playing in that game. Was he? Woods. Um, his presence was was uh, useful to us. So I, I, I can see him if it's possible, financially possible. I can see him staying on. The next season, Se- second half, we're a little bit more on the back foot, and but there weren't many chances. I mean, I think we have to mention the fact that this Brentford side are top top six. I think they were fourth in the table, Michael, and they'd scored seventy goals. I think coming into the game, I mean, the goal difference was plus thirty one. I mean, as I compare that with our plus one, so this is a decent team that we've kept very very quiet in a situation where they needed a result. They were they were going for a win. And I think that's an overall, that's a really strong defensive performance. And we could have nicked it, especially at the end, the last moments of the game. We could have had that um, cross that kind of trickled across the penalty area in the last dying second. So I, I, I think you've got to put this down as a decent Millwall show. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And that Aaron mentions it a few times when when he's hosting the fan show in the week, um, in the midweeks, when he says that Brentford are always a side who, you know, there's high expectation for. But... Yeah. Let's, let's remember, I know, I know they've obviously dropped down to fourth now, but it wasn't that long ago that people were saying, could they nick top spot? You know, they was on that fantastic run. They were scoring goals. Everyone was saying that Thomas Frank has gotten back playing good football again, um, scoring for fun. I think it was, as we say, Ivan up front. They were saying he has scored one less goal than all of Newcastle in the Premier League yeah, season. Some so there were so well. many, so many plaudits of how well they were playing. Yeah, and as, as you say, um, attacking wise, I, I thought they looked r- rather ordinary. And I don't think again that's because they was having an off day. I just thought we were very good. One one thing I did make a comment on. I'm not sure if if you or any of the listeners did um, did notice this also, but they do break quick, don't they? Like when they get the ball and they hit you on the counter, they get up that pitch quick, Brentford. And that was one thing I think they did one in the first 20 minutes. Um, we lost the ball quite cheaply. I believe. Yeah, that's a downfall. One of our downfalls, yeah. I think, um, losing the ball. But yeah, you're right. They do get the ball. Yeah, we, we lost the ball cheaply, and within three, four passes, they're on the edge of our 18-yard box. And you think if they was, if if you know, if, if defensively we weren't playing so well, um, we could have been in a bit of trouble then. But then uh, there was only one or two other times that they did that. So yeah, as you say, it's a top six team, and and we're watching this game thinking, well. I think you could argue, like you say, we could have nicked something at the end. I, th- I think um, Max and Max and oh. Carl said it, didn't they? That you'd they'd be like Thomas Frank would be disappointed that you know they've not got a result, and if he was Rowett, you'd be the happier manager. But I think I think you could also, as you say, argue that Rowett um, Rowett could be equally as disappointed as Frank that we didn't get anything out of that. We could have made more of the chances we did get, and we did have, especially in the first half, had a couple of chances. But that's been the story of our season, dear listener. Isn't it? I mean, goal scoring has been our our um, our Achilles heel all season, so there's nothing new in today's um, game in that way. I, I, th- I think probably what was um, good to see today was an improved spirit across the side. We did have more bite in midfield. That Keefton Belt, Evans, and Woods midfield looked. Um, it look, it's got skill. Michael and it's got passing ability 
and it's got a bit of bite in it as well. And I think that's probably the the, the holy trinity, isn't it, of, of, of midfield. You want players that can pass the ball, but are also willing to... I mean, Keefton Belt doesn't mind leaving a boot in one when it's needed and necessary. Um, I like the look of him. Um, and when Billy Mitchell came in, I think also he's, he's, he's cut from very similar cloth, Billy, and I think he'll do do very well next season. Um, but no, I mean, if you look at the balance of that second half, I'm just, I've got one chance early for Brentford. I think they fired into the side netting just after kickoff of the second half. And then that incredibly brave save that Bart made at the feet of Tony when Wallace put him in a little bit of trouble, didn't he? Right, the, it's 82 yeah. minutes, caught weak header mm-hmm. back. And he showed his bravery. He went down at the feet of the oncoming man. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's, that's where um, goalkeepers prove their, prove their worth. Frank, Thomas Frank certainly left the pitch um, it seemed to be a bit in, in, in a state of um, mild hysteria. Like it, it always reminds me of, like he should come out of an interview with a vampire. I imagine with a pair of shades on, the kind of a top hat, as some kind of Victorian um, vampireist, you know, stalking the streets of London. I, I don't know what it is. He's got that kind of look about him, but he didn't seem particularly happy. I suppose the pressure, um, you know, there's some big money at stake here. A win today would have taken them closer to the, you know, the second position. Um, as it is, just looking at the table, they're still eight points off of second. They're looking at a playoff tournament at the end of the season now, and I'm not sure I'd fancy them in a playoff with the chips down. You got, you know, you got Swansea um, who, who pulled back a result today against. Um, they got a draw against Wickham, but also Barnsley and Bournemouth. And I'm not sure that, you know, it's, it's always a lottery playoff football. So maybe that's the sign of a man. You can, you can feel the dead hand of the playoffs on his shoulders. And, you know, who knows how they're going to do in that? I, th- I think if you're Thomas Frank, I mean, I'm not sure how strong his allegiance is to, to Brentford. Um, I know he's obviously got some history there, but I think you could argue if, if he doesn't get them up this season, like you say, with the pressure, is there an element of how much further can I take this team? Because they always seem to stutter when they get near the top two. And when they in the playoffs, as you say, it all just falls apart. I mean, last year they made the final, didn't they? Uh, was it the final they made? Or, Did they or lost, the... Yeah, it fades into one large mass, doesn't it, last last season? And that funny kind of resurrected um, end of season period. Yeah, didn't Fulham, Fulham win, win in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. Was, was that, was oh, that against one... Brentford? Um, if, if it weren't, they were certainly in that top four, weren't they? Yeah. And, and they, they looked like as that they look like that's really as far as they can go. So um, yeah, as you say, it could be the it could be the expectation, it could be the pressure that's on him. Because as again touching on what Aaron says over the, over the course of the season and previous seasons, there's always this expectation that Brentford are going to go up or um, or even arguably through the automatics. They're in this new st- stadium now, which yes, it got a bit of stick of the seats looking, as I said earlier, on like a Lego built stadium. <laughs> but but this is a purpose built stadium with an eye on the Premier League. Yeah. And it's only really a matter of time that the owners will start thinking, well, what more can we do? Because they have this business model, Brentford, don't know where they where they buy players for a certain amount, and then they seem to sell them for a lot more than what they bought them for. But if you want to go to that next step, is Thomas Frank the one to take you there? I wasn't really going with interview of the vampire myself, Nick. Um, I was thinking he, he's um, he's he's going with the Gareth Ainsworth school of long-haired, fouled eighties rock star. Without Gareth Ainsworth's sense of humour and charm, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it was um, yeah, no, if, if, I, I could. He got a little bit argy-bargy, didn't he, at the start of the second half? With, um, yeah, I think there was Brown. a few yeah. words. I think they had words, yeah. didn't they, over something. Yeah. Um, bookings or, or the lack of bookings, as the case may be. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to After Noel. I suppose, I suppose if you were the ownership of Brentford, um, you might be looking at your Thomas Frank. You might be thinking, we'll have a look up the road up the, um, you know, up the, uh, the motorway, the M11 at Norwich. And they've just got promoted today, thanks to that result. And they've got, they've got Daniel Farker, a German coach like uh, Frank is from Denmark. A similar kind of side in many respects, investing in, players from the continent mixed with English talent. And then they've run away with the league this season. Um, and they must be casting envious glances up the road at their Norwich and, um, and and their achievements. I don't know. Well, yeah, and the thing is as well, I was going to say, sorry to cut you off, there. the right. thing is as well with Brentford, you think, I, 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 it was, I'm not sure if it was a previous ownership, but there's obviously a, high, a hierarchy there, which it probably doesn't matter how good you do. If they feel a change, you need, they'll change you. Remember, it wasn't overly that long, that long ago, really, was it, that they got rid of uh, Warburton? Or Not they, um, yeah. That they, they sacked him when they was when they was doing well under him. A lot of the, a lot of the players and fans were surprised they sacked him. So, so they do, they do have a little bit of previous of of getting oh, yeah. rid of managers, even if it's going well. So, yeah, there, there, there could be that. So, I, I think, I think this is certainly, especially with the sort of fans coming back in next season. Um, again, we we were kind of lucky, I think, to a point with Gary Rowett, because as we always say, these amount of draws, if there were fans, would would have would we have been happy? But Brentford aren't known for being like a sort of lad lively bunch, are they? But even when they're back in next season, if they're still in the playoffs, they might get the ump with him and and sort of the board might start listening to the fans, if you will. Yeah, they might. I don't know. They might have a boycott of Ocardo to protest against him or something like that. I don't know what a Brentford protest, a car park protest would look like. Probably they'd all refuse to buy car park tickets or something like that. Um, <laughs> Lions Raw 79 says we're safe from relegation. Or some are, so- some are saying we're safe from relegation, Michael. We're safe from relegation. Um, unlikely, I know. Lions Raw's done a little bit of research here, but mathematically, Rotherham can still catch us. This is looking at the dark side of life. <laughs> they can get a maximum of sixty points, and we've got fifty-nine. Or am I reading it wrong? Um, 
I mean, you've got a lot of clubs in between us and Rotherham, Lions, and they're simply struggling to get the ball in the net at the moment. And I think mm. we're, I think we're safe. I think you can breathe easy, Lions. Yeah, I was um, going to say you need to look in awe at that kind of level of enthusiasm <laughs> and optimism, don't you? Really? <laughs> we are ninth in the table. It's a pretty good finish to the season by Millwall standards. I know that we're. Um, we fell short, and I think that was the wording that Gary Rowett used in one of the interviews, pre-match interviews with News at Den, or it might have been London News. We fell a bit short. I mean, we, the reason we fell short was we we haven't scored the goals. And uh, you look at the, the I talked about the goal difference. Brentford's goal difference is thirty-one listeners, and ours is one. You know, um, I know there's uh, what just twelve points difference between us. Who knows? That's going to be the conundrum that we have to solve over the course of the summertime. Um, I'm not sure that the uh, the Mason Bennett and Jed Wallace duo is the answer to that 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 question. Will we get the goal scorer? I mean, uh, we we had this conversation the other day on a different show, Michael. To get a decent goal scorer, I'm, I'm probably thinking of an Ivan Tony. You're talking about spending club record sums of money and wages as well, which we don't really have any great track record when we spend that kind of money and I, I think we're going to be trying to look to find the unknown um jewel in the rough aren't we rather than the big name signing unless we yeah. unless we unless we bring matt smith back we're, we're, we're going to need to and and i know that there's an element that you know we, we we want to see these players come in and everything like that but uh, uh what sort of uh, what sort of cost do we nearly bankroll the, uh, sorry bankrupt the club good just point to bring in a 20, uh, 20 goal a season striker and and the problem is as well with us as as we all know, let, let's be brutally honest. You you look historically. Um, mm. I know he was in his younger days. Don't get me wrong, and he wasn't as proven. But there was a twenty goal a season striker who played for us, and Lewis Graben, but he couldn't do it. So yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. That, it's that middle type player. Do, do do you? But do you? And normally these twenty plus goal a season players, with all due respect to them, um, for those who are listening to the show, obviously. Um, they're all pre. They're all sort of prima donnas, and Millwall doesn't like prima donnas. So we don't take get, no. Yeah, uh, if, if you've got a fifteen million pound striker who's on fifteen grand a week, and he has a bit of a tiff and a huff, and the fans get on his back, he ain't going to want to play for us anymore. And and those sort of players will want to be signed onto like three four year contracts. So it could be could be. Let's just get another Lee Gregory or something like that. <laughs> let's, let's, let's let's go down back to Halifax. Watch someone really good, an electrician that wants to get Jack, away from being yeah. the Sparks. You know that's what we want. Yeah. Let's do what we did with Jamie Vardy. Watch him, but then decide to sign his teammate instead. I think it's it's an, it's an interesting point. I can't think of many big money signings by Mill standards, listeners, big money signings um, that have been a success. I mean, can only really think possibly of, of um, Ryan Leonard. Who he's, he's been a bit of a slow burn, but I'd say he's been a success. And I've done no research on this. So I'm trying to think of other reasonable size money signings by Mill. But generally speaking, the more money we pay out for players, the there's like an inverse ratio. The less the less they we seem to get from them. I mean if you've only got a look just on your point there, Michael, about um signing, you know, fast flash strikers, look at the grief that um Kenzo Hoare has rightly generated for himself. You know, he's, he's condemned as lazy after he's come back off of an injury. And but he's also now got the tag that he doesn't want to play for us and he's lazy. Who knows? No one really knows. But that's a consequence of being a fairly high value striker, probably earning relatively high wages. You know, you are judged yeah. by a very high standard. Um, two interesting yeah. um, bit. And often that we get to quote LinkedIn on this show. 
business. And I, I'm trying to expand our range of sources. So LinkedIn, um, I, I picked up two adverts. Mill FC are seeking a head of first team recruitment analysis. I think that, 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 that's, that's like Twitter. That's, that, that's a constant source of first team recruitment analysis. But there's actual position and the Lions are seeking that at the moment, as well as a scout, um, senior scout for the southern region, southern part of England, I guess. So it's just interesting. I don't know whether to read too much into that or whether that's um, part of any kind of um, Gary Rowett inspired plan, Michael. But the fact that clearly, you know, we, we're trying to up our game as we should in terms of recruitment and and finding young players, you know. Yeah, no, you're right. And um, I'm debating whether to apply for that role myself because I actually thought a few years ago, Barry Powell and Paul Hubert's weren't bad signings for us. <laughs> so I think if I go in there and go, that's the calibre I'm looking at, I think I'll see how I get on. But no, it's, no it is interesting because, yeah, these are... These are the type of thing, things you need and the things you want. I mean, with all due respect to Aldo, um, you know, he, 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 did, he did well writing a blog and ended up now at Stoke City. Good so, blog. Um, it was a good blog. It's a good, good blog. Good blog. But um, it, had, it had a catchy title to it. But um, it was. But yeah, it, it'd, be, it'd be good to get somebody in professional, especially with that new head of, is it the new head of recruitment that came in to replace him um, not so long ago? So th- th- there's yeah, obviously yeah. scope, but. But this go this sort of touches back on the point that you you said there and we said about um these big money players and 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 it it depends on I've always said and been saying to people that Millwall were, their fans are always realistic in the sense that we know that you know we know we're no good, we know we're we, we really put a shift in and, and that's pretty much it. You know, we don't have flair, we don't have skill, working we don't man's have club. Style. It's a working man's working club. Class club. Yeah. Yeah. With all, but the, this, all that's good and bad about that. Can yeah, of course, of course. But this goes back to the expectation, I believe, as well, and the sort of players that these people will be scouting. Because Rowett has, a lot of people have said this is the best Millwall team, or like quality-wise, one of the best Millwall teams we've had for years. You know, we're getting some good established championship players. But this is something I want to ask the listeners now. I mean, only tweeting if you're going to agree and be positive, please. <laughs> oh, well, um, but, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> I'll expect none. Um, but are the signings we've made, are they actually genuinely the signings that will take us to the next level? In the sense that, do you think, and as much as we like them, and we think they're doing in and settling well, do you think any of the top, top six would have gone in for George Evans? Do you think any of the top six would have gone in for Kifton Bell? You know, would they have gone in for Ryan Woods? Would they have gone in for these type of players? So... That's just a, an interesting point I'd like to make when it comes to realism. You know, we, we can't be expected to sort of be a top six team and, and recruiting all these players and all these new recruitment officers if we haven't got the money to sign anyone of real top six calibre. No, and we probably don't. We, I mean, let's, let's be, we, 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 we don't play at the on the high rollers table in championship terms. You know, we, from what I can read into Gary Rowett's strategy since he's arrived here, it's been to build... A very solid base of a team. You know, all, all joking aside, we can we can talk about his moments with uh, Ryan Woods and one or two other players. But it's a pretty solid base. The league table shows it, uh, Michael, because we're at ninth in the table with a comparison. We're certainly not ninth in terms of spending in the table. We're, we're ninth in the terms of the real table with a much lower um, budget. The problem that we will have is that unless we develop the 
um, I'm trying to think of an analogy. I know it's probably a cake, you know, unless you're, unless you, you can have a great Victoria sponge, but you're going to want a cherry on top of that at some point or some decent jam or something, I don't know, something like that. If you can't buy that, you're going to have to develop it yourself. And that I think is where Mills um, next level probably lies. I don't believe we're going to sign we're not going to sign a Jude Bellingham, are we? We're not going to sign an, an Etse or one of these these hotshot kids. We're going to have to find our own, and I think possibly that's what the the two roles there may be looking to try yeah. and do. Who knows what, how good Isaac Alofa is? I mean, he's been um, playing well for Sutton on loan. We, we haven't really seen much of Tyler Bury as I know he's on on the wing, but it's it's this is the, and the, some of the kids in our own uh, youth development. I would imagine that that's where the as it has historically been, Michael, that's where the next mill talent's going to come from, within our own ranks, not from outside. Achtung, I just want to finish today's show. I want to touch on the Lionesses um, because I, I saw that they had a couple of fixtures recently against Upton Park. Am I am I right? In the Upton Park ladies? Is that is that linked with West Ham or is that just um, a, a club masquerading under their name, Upton Park ladies? Yeah, it's... Um... No, it's been a really interesting couple of weeks, actually, because obviously um, the, the squad were unable to even train together because of the guidelines. So obviously everyone was looking looking and waiting for the days when it can resume. And I'll tell, I'll tell you this now, Nick, in deadly serious. Now, I'm, I, asked, I asked if we could mention this towards the end, but mm. this might sound a bit cliche, but if, if we could have fans back in the stadium, because um, at St Paul's at the moment we can't, the performances you are seeing are real sort of feel-good, die-hard Millwall, full-blooded games. I mean, I, I just wanted to give a mention to them because you said about Upton Park. We played Hackney Lionesses in our first fixture, first fixture back, and it was a heavy scoreline. Um, and but it was a good game, and, and Millwall were very, very good. The Mill Lionesses were excellent. Uh, the second game is against Upton Park Ladies. Um, yes, there is a West Ham connection there. Um, <laughs> I think they've actually got the ham. I think they've got the ham. Yeah, I think they've got the hams on the bat, their badge as well. I believe uh, from memory, and that was a very very feisty game. Um, <laughs> late 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 tackles and and for, for those for the, for those listeners who listen now who don't um, who don't really sort of follow the women's game or, or there might be some who who don't skeptical as an equal yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, that yeah, level. Yeah. But yeah. my goodness, any Millwall fan, the way those girls were sticking up for each other. You know, said the, the management was sticking up for the players against the Upton Park. Here we're talking against yeah. a thing called Upton Park with a West Ham connection. It was absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> there was, and that was a that was a five nil win, um, which was good as well. And, and we've recently uh, went out to Kent Football United, who played two divisions above um, Millwall at national level. Right, um, and we were um, um, we lost two nil. Um, unfortunately, but um, it's it's just it's just been really good to see the girls back playing again. And and as silly as it sounds, they they just love playing for Millwall. They they're, they're not saying, oh, I just want to like play football and all this. They 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 love being part of the club and they love being part of the area and and the support they've been getting from from fans has been absolutely incredible. And they and for those who are listening and like I said, who might think I'll nip down to St Paul's when the uh, regulations allow, you know, you'll be very welcome. And, and the girls are absolutely breaking their neck for you guys and listeners to come in. So I just wanted to give a little shout out to them and just say a well done for getting stuck in and, and like putting their bodies on the line for the club, really. Nice one. I mean, this, this, these are friendly fixtures. It's been a very, as it has been in society, Jen, it's been a stop start season for, so this is like a, a concluding series of friendly games for the 20, 
2021 season. I'm guessing, um, and I don't suppose you're in, in the know any more than anyone else, Michael, but I'm guessing that the hope is that come the new season with you know attendances back being allowed again, that you can get back to some normality of a league season from August or September, whenever they start the ladies' game, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, and and in truth, there's we, we, because of uh, because of the sort of further down the pyramid you get, the more sort of regional it is. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's some clubs and leagues that will have to sort of start at different times, and they they may sort of like um, I don't know that there might be some teams who who sort of like move around and things like that, or, or whatever it is, but. Um, it will be looking at August, September. We'll be getting the league back, hopefully. Um, you know, we, we're, guidelines allow people can come back, and it, and it will just be good to see the fans because speaking speaking to the players, they they want the fans back, and and it's not even for like commercial reasons or, or showing off or anything. It's they just want to play in front of Millwall fans. They want to play for Millwall, and you know they're absolutely buzzing to be back playing together. And it's just it's just it's good to see it's good to see them playing football again at the end of the day. You know, and it's, and it's good to see, and it's good to see the management like sort of managing again, rather than just sitting there on Zoom meetings all the time, like not yeah. knowing what, what what's happening. So just a little shout out to them. But there's a few more fixtures lined up, which hopefully, hopefully, if, if regulations obviously allow, we 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 might see some fans back. But again, that's very much in the hands of the government. It's it's nothing to do with us or no no, uh, no. polls or the council. Well, let's, let's, let's hope that some point soon we can get some fans back in. I'm, I'm presuming everyone knows where the ground is on, on uh, Salter Road near to, not far from Robert Hive Underground Station. Yeah. So it'd be great to see some fans back in supporting our mill line. This is well done, girls, for taking it to Upton Park. I did see a, 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 um, a, a laughable interview, I think it was with the manager or assistant manager, where he reckons he was going to come down with his Upton Park side and, and run the proceedings at, at Millwall's ground, and that didn't happen. So... Um, always good to to hear that, dear listeners. I want to say a big thank you to Michael for taking time out of your Saturday afternoon, mate, to um, discuss this nil nil draw. I think we did quite well on the on very little on thin gruel. Thank you for joining me, Michael. No problem at all. And um, stay safe, listeners, and hopefully see you all soon. Absolutely, and we'll be back after our next home game, which I believe is next Saturday. This is the level of prep that I do for this show, dear listeners. Let's have a look at the fixture list on my phone before I say Arriva Dirty Millwall. It's Bournemouth, oh, midweek, Eight, uh, 1,800 hours. Wednesday night, we'll be back after the Wednesday night show against Bournemouth. Uh, until then, it's Arriva Dirty Millwall from me, and uh, thank you for listening, and bye for now. Thank you for listening to Aston Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. Arriva Dirty Millwall, till next time. Who do you want to watch? Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. 
Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at osiamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.